Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trowel today. Uh, we are glad to be sitting down and talking to you. We've had so much going on in the life of Founders Ministries recently, so thank you for those who are praying for us and encouraging us, supporting us. Uh, this is an exciting week for us because we're about to be traveling to Atlanta, Georgia for the G3 conference. Yeah, the G3 that uh, has been going on now for about five or six years under the leadership of Josh Bice. He's a pastor there in the Atlanta area. Wonderful conferences. One, yeah. one of the best conferences, I think, that uh, I attend yearly. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I always look forward to that. Uh, boy, there's a lot of people that go to that conference now yeah. it's got a great location right there by the airport so uh, if you're going to the g3 conference do come stop by the founders booth and say hello we're selling books in the bookstore there and we're happy to just connect with people while we're there also i, I understand that uh it will be live streamed as well so people who uh, missed the registration deadline i think they sold out uh you can catch it on live stream if you just google g3 and um, go to their website you'll be able to watch the sessions there yeah Okay. Well, uh, as we get into our discussion today, for those of you who are just catching up, about five weeks ago, Pastor Tom here collapsed while ministering to the church Sunday morning. We talked about that and how we've seen God's grace in it last week. We talked more about the details, but as we've had a number of conversations, one of the topics that we've been addressing uh, in these days is the topic of affliction. And uh, you, Tom, just gave a sermon just last night to Grace Baptist Church on affliction on Psalm 119, uh, verse 71. And so we thought we'd talk about affliction, uh, lessons learned practically from God's providence in your life and in the life of this church, and then also truths that are being clarified in God's word uh, as a result of all you've been through, all the church has been through. So the topic is affliction today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, none of us would choose to become an expert in affliction, and yet God uses affliction in everyone's lives. I mean, nobody escapes this world Jesus, without it. Jesus promised, in this world you will have tribulation. Yeah. Uh, but we should take heart because he's overcome the world. And so much, I think, uh, of the uh, instruction, the discipleship that mm-hmm. comes to us from the world wants to put affliction only in one category, that it's evil, it's bad, uh, you try to avoid it. If it happens, then there's all kind of questions you know, that you need to uh, raise that, that ultimately can be very unhelpful. When the Bible gives us the right perspective on it, you know, affliction exists because sin exists in a fallen world. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But God has good eternal purposes for affliction for his people. And he makes some incredible promises. He gives us some amazing examples of how affliction is is not just something that he sees and then comes and fixes or overrules, but it's actually an instrument in Mm -hmm. his toolkit for making us like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And let me just say it at the outset. We, We said this multiple times on this podcast, and it's, again, common currency in our church. We try to always bring this back. But the paradigm. Uh, for us to start with and think from regarding affliction is the death of Jesus on the cross. Right. I mean, he was a flick, he was afflicted. That's what uh, Isaiah says in Isaiah 53. And he was bruised. He was crushed. All of those things that we find elsewhere in the testimony of the apostle Paul in the new Testament. And we can see it in history and God's people where they've experienced similar types of emotional, physical abuse and persecution and suffering. 
All of that happened to Jesus on the cross, and it happened under the direct authority and by the clear predestined purpose of God. So God was saving sinners in the affliction of his son. Well, if that's true, if that horrible experience of affliction could not just be something God uses, but something God ordained for good saving purposes in the lives of his people, then I should take my affliction and put it in the light of the cross and say, okay, God, I trust that you're doing good things for me in this personal affliction, just like you did in afflicting your son for the salvation of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, um, your sermon last night came from Psalm 1971, and you identified uh, here with the psalmist this one thing God does through affliction. So there we hear the words, it is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. So one thing that comes with affliction is a deeper understanding of the word of God, a deeper understanding of what he has promised, a deeper understanding of his law, what he requires of us. And uh, that was a good word last night. You know, I was was thinking in my own life, you know, I want to meditate upon the word of God and do so and try to teach the word of God to my family and believe the word of God. And yet it's true that when challenges come, difficulties come, affliction comes, then the word of God is, uh, I can more clearly apprehend it. So mm. like you get a deeper sense of, yes, this is, these things are true and, um, they can be sweeter to us, more impactful to us. So, yeah. uh, you've expressed this last night, but how have you seen that manifesting itself even through your recent affliction? Yeah, well, uh, I've been helped by the testimony of God's saints throughout history. I mean, I read in uh, Luther said, I knew, never knew the meaning of God's word until I came into affliction. And he said, affliction is one of, it's been one of my best schoolmasters. And so here's Luther, and if you know about his life, I mean, he did suffer in a variety of ways, and yet he says, this was God teaching me. It was a schoolmaster. Later, he says in another place that affliction is the best book in his library. And so when you, when you have men like that and Spurgeon and Edwards and uh, others in history that talk about their pain and their, their suffering, who did suffer tremendously, Elizabeth Elliot, you know, mm-hmm. he said there's no wasted pain in the Christian's life, well, it, it may, makes me back up and say, okay, you know, what is God doing here? And, and God has helped me with that. I, I'm not near finished at all, but uh, in and through it, there's, uh, there's certainly a humbling, uh, you know, to, to be helpless and not be able to do things that you normally do or would like to do. I've been forced to depend upon others mm-hmm. and uh, seeing God's grace in this congregation. I mean, it's just... Um, it's amazing to me to see the love that has overflowed from God's people toward uh, our family, toward me and in our church, not just our church, but you know, from around the world, Christians have contacted us and assured us a prayer and sent notes of encouragement. And um, I mean, that's, that's incredible to, to see God's grace at work in that way. And then to be brought to the point of saying, okay, how am I to live my life? And when you can't, stand up when you when you can't walk straight when you sometimes you can't think straight uh, what's going to be your hope it's not going to be your intellectual abilities it's not going to be your physical prowess it's not going to be your plans and purposes because you don't know if you can make any plans that will come to pass it's going to be the grace of god 
which is true all the time. I mean, you and I are dependent upon God's grace right now, and that's there's never a millisecond in the world for anybody where that's not true. We're all dependent upon it. But in times where what you normally rely upon and what's common in your life is stripped away from you, um, then the truth of that is demonstrated in overwhelmingly clear ways. And so that's been a good thing. It's just brought back to me, okay, how am I to live? I am to live by faith in God. And as Paul says, to rely upon the God who raises the dead. My life's in his hands. Yeah. the uh, You said you're helpless, you know. I was thinking about, um, you know, I know that, and you know that, and we know that, and we talk about that all the time before the affliction came for you. It's like, okay, we believe in a sovereign God, and we believe in total depravity, and we believe that there's no, uh, and I can't have anything good, can't do anything apart from the power of Christ and the power of the Spirit within us. And um, But then the sense of, oh, like when the affliction comes, it's like I know it. I want to prepare for it best mm-hmm. I can, and it just—it almost feels like, oh, oh, silly human being. You know, the Lord lays me low. And it's like, okay, like, yeah. it really is true. It's true. <laughs> it's more true than I thought it was true. Um, yeah, like, that indeed we can't do anything apart from the grace of God. Yeah, it's it's not that <clears throat> affliction teaches us things in and of itself, but affliction teaches us or provides an opportunity for us to learn the truth that mm-hmm. God has revealed in his word. Because yep. all these things are true, whether we believe them or not, whether we acknowledge them or have ever been taught them, it's true. We, we are in God's hands. And he, he calls us to live in reliance and dependence upon him. I mean, that's what David means here. You know, that God, thereby I learned your statutes, God's statutes. Well, what's God's statutes for us? What, what is it that he's commanded? What is it he requires? What are the ways of God? What's the work God's given us to do? It's to trust him, to believe in the provisions he's made for us in Christ, which are eternal and salvific as we look from away from sin to entrust ourselves to him as Lord. But it's also provisional day by day. I mean, he's the one who gives us daily bread. He's the one who sustains our lives moment by moment. And we, he, he does it so abundantly, so overwhelmingly full of grace that we can very easily presume upon it. And so whenever... Uh, some little something happens to us and we find ourselves flat on our back and we can't do what we normally do. It's just a reminder for us to go back to the word and say, oh, yeah, well, this is true all the time. I, I, I stay upright every day because of God's grace. This world keeps going the way it goes. The earth keeps spinning. The sun keeps shining because of God's grace. Mm-hmm. And that's true every day. Is Sometimes we forget it. We fall into patterns of thinking as if it's not true, and then God just gives us something, brings something into our lives, lays us low, and it's a reminder to go back and say, yeah, the word of God's true. Right. Uh, So we have the Apostle James tells us to count it all joy when we face trials of various kinds, and then we hear uh, the Apostle Paul saying we rejoice even in our sufferings. But you made a good point last night in your sermon about um, it's not that we, it's not like we enjoy the trial for the trial's sake. Yeah. It's not that. We don't have some weird sense where we, we want to go through pain or uh, we want the church to go through um, pain and suffering. But it's the things that come with that. It's the things that God provides us in and through those trials that we can rejoice in it because look at all of these things that are happening. So it was good that I was afflicted, not not simply because of the affliction, but because of the things that 
uh, that come with it. Yeah, there's an education uh, opportunity, and it doesn't mean we always learn uh, what we should learn because we we do have to apply. We have to trust. We have to take God at His word, and that's one of the things that's become uh, reiterated in my mind over the last several weeks is okay do I really believe God or not you know we, we all say we do and I, I say that but there's so many areas in my life where uh, faith wanes and faith turns into presumption and it's no longer faith I, I love what Spurgeon said he was talking about the um, Israelites 40 years in the wilderness what was God doing there let me just read you what he said in, in one of his sermons he says Israel gained by education The Lord was not going to lead a mob of slaves into Canaan to go back and behave like slaves there. They had to be tutored. The wilderness was the Oxford and Cambridge for God's students. There they went to the university, and he taught and trained them, and they took their degree before they entered into the promised land. There is no university for a Christian like that of sorrow and trial. Mm. I mean, you just think about that. Okay, when trials come, when sorrow comes, God is matriculating us into a university, into an opportunity to learn. And the lessons that we need to learn boil down to uh, trust in the God who raises the dead. Yeah. So when affliction comes upon us, um, it's good because of these things that happen to us. We kind of grow in knowledge of the Lord, knowledge of his ways. We can, we have those opportunities. If we seize those opportunities, um, the testing of our faith produces uh perseverance, steadfastness, those kinds of things. When you consider affliction and not only the benefit that it brings to the person personally that's being afflicted, what about affliction in the way that it uh, serves the church, serves God's purposes in the world? Uh, The Apostle Paul talks about him filling up the afflictions of Christ, kind Mm -hmm. of a peculiar text there. Mm -hmm. But um, at least as I look at what happened to you, as we're looking at the Lord's providence, not only you say he's done good things for you in this, but I'm seeing, look at the, I look at the good that he's done in spreading truth, mm-hmm. spreading his word um, throughout your family, throughout this church, and then uh, and throughout other congregations. The kingdom of God is, is, um, is, God's using this as a way to advance his word and his truth in the world. Yeah. And that's striking to me. It's the yeah. kindness of the Lord that he, he does the individual good. And then there's there's different ways that I think even other people are learning more of his statutes as his grace in you through this um, recent affliction. Yeah, some of those stories, uh, it, it would be good maybe if we could figure out a way to, to highlight and, and to tell some of those stories in discreet ways um, that have come to us. I mean, even last night or, or yesterday, again, I, I got uh, a message about how this event has impacted um, a young lady that, that has gone far from the Lord and seems to at least now be uh, returning and having an interest in, in considering the claims of the gospel. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have prescribed it that way. I wouldn't have said, oh, let's, let's do this so that that mm-hmm. can happen. But if God captures this young lady's heart, man, praise God. It'd be worth every pain, every difficulty that, that uh, has come. And we certainly have seen it in the church too. I mean, we've, we've seen people <clears throat> pray. Um, I mean, just take that. I, I've prayed. My family's prayed. This church has prayed. I'm not, I've heard so many testimonies about that prayer meeting on Sunday night. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish I'd been there. Uh, mm-hmm. But God's people prayed and 
people have come and, and prayed for me in my presence and have sent notes telling me how they prayed for me. Well, goodness, if the Lord is stirring us up to pray, that is a great thing. And the, the testimony has gone to unbelievers as well. I, who knows? I mean, God's got his ways of getting the gospel where it needs to go, getting the gospel to people who are lost. And suffering does that. That's Paul's point, I think, in Colossians 1. I think it's 24 or so when he talks about filling up in his own sufferings, in his own body, the sufferings of Christ. It's not adding to the atoning work of Christ. It's getting the atoning work of Christ to the people who need it by his own sufferings. So if our sufferings do that, then God give us grace and bring the suffering on so that the gospel can advance. And in a little bit, a small perspective that I have, I see that happening. And some of the stories that have come in indicate that, yeah, the gospel's running even through uh, something that on the grand scale of things is as insignificant, you know, as a collapse. Yeah. It does give hope, you know. I mean, we have to deal with the reality of nobody wants affliction. I don't want affliction. But if I can trust God's word that says through that affliction, uh, he will be glorified, his truth will advance, uh, people will receive good, then those are promises I can lay hold of knowing that affliction um, is coming my way. You've We've talked in, about Spurgeon. Spurgeon says some sobering words, particularly to pastors, about yeah. the trials that they will face. I don't know if you have that direct quote or if it's just you can paraphrase yeah. the idea. Well, more than once he says uh, that that pastors experience sorrows for the sake of their people. I do think I've got the quote. Let me just find it real quick, or at least one of the quotes. There's several of them. Uh, here's one. This comes from... Um, a sermon that he preached when he was young. He says, men will never become great in divinity until they become great in suffering. Ah, said Luther, affliction is the best book in my library. And let me add, the best leaf in the book of affliction is that blackest of all the leaves, the leaf called heaviness. And of course, Spurgeon struggled with depression. Mm -hmm. He understood depression. He understood temptations to suicide. God even used that to help him one time uh, lead a man who came to church thinking this is going to be the last thing he does before he kills himself. Mm. And Spurgeon was preaching out of his own sorrow of heart and, and depressed sense. And this man was arrested by that, came to see him the next day and said, nobody has ever explained what I feel more than you did yesterday. And Spurgeon was able to lead him to faith in Christ as a result of that. So he says, when the spirit sinks within us and we cannot endure as we could wish, and that, that heaviness, that's the best of God's uh, work in, in our lives. And yet again, this heaviness is of essential use to a Christian if he would do good to others. There are none so tender as those who have been skinned themselves. <laughs> those who have been in the chamber of affliction know how to comfort those who are there. Do not believe that any man will become a physician unless he walks the hospitals. And I'm sure that no one will become a divine or become a comforter unless he lies in the hospital as well as walks through it and has to suffer himself. So, yeah, more than once he talks about God bringing sorrows, trials, opposition, sickness upon ministers in order to make them fit vessels to serve God's people who will experience those same things. Mm -hmm. So it's not just theory with us, but we speak out of our own sense of uh, having been laid low. Um, when someone is afflicted, we got a church and um, all these people out there, they see somebody else afflicted. 
you can um, really help in that situation. Uh, sometimes you could not be as helpful when somebody's in affliction, right? Yeah. There's a lot. Of, there are genuinely wrong things to say. You know, like that great thing. Like there's no bad questions. No, there are some bad yeah. questions probably, and there's some bad ways to go about it. What would you counsel? Um, and maybe a young pastor, if his per, people in his flock are going through affliction, or even church members that might be tuning into this podcast, what kind of things would you recommend in order to help others when they're going through affliction? Yeah, well, I, I'd encourage them to read the book of Job and just remind themselves, you know, Job's mm. three friends did great for seven days. Mm. You know, they showed up. They were there. They sat with him. They wept with him. You know, they mourned with him. And they did great until they opened their mouths. And their theology was just horrible. And it's, well, surely you have sinned. Surely you have sinned. Now, does God lay people low because of sin? Of course he does. You know, there's no doubt about that. But you don't know that. I mean, unless the, unless you're very clear that, oh, this this has been going on in your life, don't make accusations. You know, that's not the time even to raise the question. You know, go go and be with them. Just your presence is huge. There is a, there is a ministry of presence uh, with those who are afflicted because when you get laid low, you feel alone and, and you feel embarrassed, you feel ashamed, you feel sorrowful, your mind's confused. My mind turned into a playground for the devil quickly on that. And it was the presence of God's people praying for me, being with me, reminding me, reading scripture to me that uh, was so very helpful. So do that. Uh, don't make it about yourself. That's another challenge. You know, uh, Some people well-intended um, can come and say, well, you know, uh, my brother had a concussion and uh, it wound up killing him six months later, you know, or, or my brother uh, did this and, and this is how it happened or I happened, I did this and, you know, and I get it. I'm, they're trying to relate. They're trying to do something that they think will bring comfort, but don't make it about yourself. Don't go with an agenda of this will be helpful to you. And if you would only do what I'm saying, then you will be helped. And if the person or the family says, you know, no, that's not going to be helpful to us, get your feelings hurt. Because now what you've done, rather than helping, you actually compounded the problem. Because they've not only got to care, they don't only got to care about the issue that is the affliction itself, but now they've got to care about a brother or sister who seems to be offended and, and wounded. So uh, it's never wrong to pray. It's never wrong to write a note. And just a note of encouragement. I can't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how many of those have come to me uh, through the church and through friends and family members, through people I've never heard of that have just said, man, I'm praying for you and, and God's shown me this, reminded me of this. Or um, those, are, those are wonderful things. So it's always right to do those things. And then I would encourage, we have some people very gifted at this in our church, uh, look for the things that need to be done mm-hmm. that probably nobody else is going to think about doing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the yard needs to be mowed. You know, maybe the shoes need to be cleaned. Uh, maybe the garbage needs to be taken out. I mean, it's just something that nobody would ever think about. But, yeah, this is, a, this is now going to be a challenge or it's going to be something that's going to be neglected because of the affliction. So be wise and, and strategic and practical in thinking about those things. Uh, we haven't turned on our oven, I don't think, in five weeks. You know, mm-hmm. our, our, people bring us food to eat. My wife's uh, broke her foot, so she's on a knee scooter, and it's hard for her to navigate uh, things the way she normally would. And uh, so we've both been laid up, and man, uh, you know, I hadn't missed a meal. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm thinking about all the things. You know, I've just been coming over to your house while your wife's laid up and you're laid up and eating your food. <laughs> no, no. You, you, you've been present. You've been present. You hey, know? As long as the food's there, I'm present. <laughs> so, uh, no, I mean, that's – and in those early hours, Jared, I mean, you, you every time I opened my eyes, you were there. Uh, I know, and, I know. We talked know, about that I've already. I teased so. you a little bit about it, but, um, uh, but that was good. Yeah, the when when trying to care for someone who's in affliction, I think of the church. Boy, it is a big deal, and all that stuff you said is really good. I would add, um, you know, a lot of people feel a sense. They're like, oh boy, this person's hurting. You know, what do I say? I don't know what to say. And to your earlier point, sometimes you don't have to say anything. That's right. But but what a joy it is to be there and to feel the sense of I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help. That's okay. Don't let that feeling stop you from just being there. And then pray for wisdom. God will yeah. give you wisdom. Keep in mind, um, the uh, weep with those who weep and yeah. rejoice with those who rejoice. So just communicating that to somebody. You can say, uh, we, we, we weep with you. We do. And, um, and then pray for them. So, and God will give you the strength. He works through his church. You know, all of this is the work of Christ in the body, helping the, the church minister to one another. And so remember that. Yeah. So... It's been good to consider affliction and just uh, look at God's providence and our own experience here and then think about his word. And so hopefully those those truths uh, serve you well and we can put all of our hope in Christ that none of our afflictions will go to waste. Amen. One of the uh, projects that we're now working on is our Wield the Sword docu-series. We learn new words all the time. <laughs> we coin words. Coin words. <laughs> a docu-series. The idea is a documentary, but it's a series of documentary-like kind of episodes um, where we're going to be sitting down with different people and addressing different topics and how the Word of God applies to these particular topics. And so if you go to founders.org, you can find out about that effort, and please be praying for that. A number of people have already supported us. Yeah. They already got financial support on there. It shows you how much money we're trying to raise for this particular project, and we have a matching gift. So because of the generous support of uh, one of our supporters, there is a $10,000 matching gift that is going live now. And if you give between now and when that $10,000 uh, is filled up, you'll, whatever you give is going to be doubled. Yeah. And so please do take advantage of that. We're very grateful for all of those who are praying and encouraging us in this season. Yeah, and th- this is a massive project. I mean, it's like doing 10 or 15 by what standards yeah they're not going to be that long but they're going to be that involved and we're doing it in order to instruct one of the most encouraging things that have happened has happened to us recently is the feedback again last night and this morning i've heard from pastors from churches that said man one, one pastor showed half the documentary to the congregation yesterday and he said the response was just so good so people were getting it they were mm-hmm. understanding it and of course it raises questions and concerns and, and the benefit the churches have benefited well that's our goal is we want to provide tools and these are these next episodes are going to be positive instructions okay we tried to expose bad things that are in the culture that are coming into the church so how do we stand against them what does the word actually say about this mm-hmm. and so basics that Many of us will say, well, of course we know what the gospel is. Of course we know what uh, church life is. You know, Of course we know what the Bible says about men and women and about sexuality and all. We're going to try to go into the Word of God and drill down and look very specifically at what the text says because we can no longer assume that we know. Mm-hmm. We can't. We just can't do it because much of what we're assuming just ain't so. 
Mm-hmm. And it's time for us to let the Word of God speak and to say, here's what the Bible says. This is the Word of our living God, and we're going to stand on that Word. So that's what this uh, Wield the Sword's all about. So, man, if you can support us, we'd appreciate it. Uh, pray for the project. It's massive, and we're going to need lots of wisdom from on high. Amen to that. Thanks again for listening to The Sword and the Trial.